head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast graham mcdonald is an idiot sean sheehan of severemma.com he even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god this is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 285 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan and we're just minutes here after the mad UFC 254 card, I believe. I'd say, I think on like three podcasts during the week, I called it UFC 245 because I'm an idiot and all that. But however, uh, one of the most insane main events in UFC history, what came after it and what came before it. Uh, and we'll get all into that in a few minutes. But first of all, we have to give a shout out to our sponsors for the podcast, my bookie. If anyone watched the betting show during the week, everyone knows that people are always asking us for advice on the, on, on the betting. And Graham was right in the main event. You, you said Habib. Uh, I, I went for Getty and I was wrong. We were both right with Whitaker and our other bets weren't great as well. But people are asking us for advice anyway. And they'll be asking us again next week uh, about Anderson Silva versus Hall and all of that. So if you are one of those people or even if you're one of the people who people ask about bets, head on over to my bookie. Uh, and I'm sure us and, and ye always tell people to go over to my bookie. Uh, they got deposit match bets, free bets, huge cash prize context for you to take advantage of all season long. They have NFL action. If you're over in America, they have college football. Uh, plus, they have a mobile-friendly website. And on top of that, they have uh, great customer service. I know you know Neil was talking to our customer service today, and he said he had a great, uh, a great uh, job with them. So they're very good, and it makes our platform a one-stop shop for all your betting needs. My bookie offers action on everything, as I mentioned, from championship fixtures, Premier League, NFL, in-game betting, uh, making sure that you're covered all the way and if you're in in the early season uh, odds congratulations on that so sign up with my bookie today use our promo code severe mma and you will get a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to a thousand bucks so if you put in 500 quid you will get 500 quid back to bet as well so that's really really good it's a bonus designed to give you a little bit of help with a head start uh, to your season when you're starting off so use the promo code severe mma to claim your bonus uh, when you make your deposit Stacked UFC cards, even presidential prop bets, as we mentioned earlier on, all the major sports await you. Sign up today, begin your winning season exclusively at my bookie promo code Severe MMA. Graham, what the what about tonight? What like it, it's one of those fights where I came into and you know it's it's hard to if Habib Nurmagomedov fights someone, he wins, and then I can think of everyone as a little bit shocked after the fight just because of the way the fight went. First of all. What happened directly afterwards, and just everything around it. It was one of it was one of those fights where I saw a few people saying I was sitting here in the, in the sitting room watching, and I was like, "This is this is big fight feel, you know. This is a special sort of fight. This is a special main event. The rest of the card, good card, not a bad card at all, but it, it didn't have the, the special feeling of this. No card really in a long time has had the special feeling. Yes, we might only have like one or two of them a year, a fight even, not cards." And this had it, and even coming out of it, it's weird to see it feels more special coming out of it. Overall, are, are you... I know we, sometimes we can be a bit cynical and thing, and, and stuff with things, but what's your feeling now? We're only, what, 20 minutes after the card here? 
Yeah, I, I think it definitely has that had that big uh, fight feel. I think because of the, there was a definitely jeopardy there with the with the title on the line and the interim champ. No, no matter what you think about the the interim championships, um, it's definitely um, Justin Gaethje was definitely like a threat to uh, heavy even there was going in anyway, and uh, um, there was definitely a lot of jeopardy there. And you know, um, a lot of people, including yourself, were picking Gaethje to win. So. Uh, Obviously, uh, there's uh, a lot of fights these days, and a lot of fight cards that don't really have that interest. But you, you could see, uh, you know, people who maybe dip in and out were definitely interested in this fight as well. Mm-hmm. It was funny during the, the week. We'll get to the what happened in the fight, and and we'll get to to everything that happened around it. But it was I was thinking during the week, and maybe maybe later in the week, actually, kind of after we had the podcast done and things about Habib. And you know, Habib is mentioned in the pound for pound talk, and he was after the fight tonight. But you rarely hear Habib mentioned in the, the greatest of all time talk. And I, I was thinking to myself, why is that? And I think the reason why that is, is because he is kind of unmatched in terms of his fights. And he does, he like usually we see guys and we think they're brilliant because they have brilliant comebacks in their career. And they have uh, like tough battles in their career. And they show kind of different parts of themselves. Whereas Habib, we, we look at Habib and you could say, maybe he's one dimensional. But that dimension is so good, it stands out over the rest. And that, I think, is very unfair. But I think tonight, Habib showed another side of him, right? Because if you look at that fight, the first round, and if you were to say to me last week that for 4 minutes and 28 seconds of the round, which I believe it was, that fight would be fought out on defeat, Justin Gaethje would stuff every takedown basically in the first round, apart from one near the end, he got you know 32 seconds, I think it was, at the end of the round. Justin Gaethje stuffed every takedown, and they were true hands at each other. And if you were to tell me that happened and Habib Nurmagomedov run around, I'd be very surprised, you know? I would be very surprised. And there was no cage control either. Do you, do was... you think Do you think the fact that kind of Gaethje had to, or his game plan was kind of crouched down a little yeah, bit to uh, avoid the wrestling that takes away from his actual natural stand-up ability and his... 100%. You know, five, yeah. five seconds into the fight, I was like, he's doing what Ally Aquinta did and that's a big, big, big mistake. Gaethje fought well and he fought defensively well. He didn't fight offensively well whatsoever. But Habib Nurmagomedov fought so well offensively himself that the defensive work of Justin Gaethje only worked in a wrestling defensive manner. It didn't work in a striking defensive manner. So the strikes that Habib were throwing were all landing. Okay, he wasn't getting his takedowns, but he was winning the round and he was destroying Justin Gaethje on the feet, which... You know, I, I said before the fight, Habib Nurmagomedov's uh, striking is underrated, and I think. Well, well I don't think he was destroying him. I think he he, he, ate, he ate some big leg kicks and and a, f- a few punches as well. He wasn't wasn't like you know a demolition or anything, but yeah, he definitely held up better. And I think he, you're right that it is because you know he tried to fight like a like Quinta. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're paying too much respect for the other guy's game. Like, okay, yeah, this guy's phenomenal uh, at his game, but you kind of got to go out there and back your game and not kind of turtle up like that. Yeah, like definitely. I don't think Justin Gaethje fought the exact fight he'd want to fight, but he did get the fight to where he would want the fight to get to. You know, he... Uh, okay, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he had a different game plan. But I think his game plan was to do what he did. Fight defensively, throw those big leg kicks like that, and attack. I think the... Attack from when Habib attacked. Uh... And I think the one big mistake that Gaethje made was he didn't plant the feet and throw that right hand right down the pipe enough. He did it a couple of times, and especially at the start of the second he did it, and he hurt Habib once or twice, but not, not in major, I don't think. And Habib's forward pressure was just too much. Like, But you, the thing about it is, right, <laughs> you look at Habib and you say, okay, he has 
his striking isn't the best in the world, but it's sloppy and everything like that. But he's, it's so effective with what comes behind it. Because you know if you get drawn into a match with Habib, all he's going to do is take you down. So what do you do? You want to draw Habib into a striker match, but you don't want to get drawn into a striker match with Habib because you know he's just going to take you down. It's like a fucking catch-22 situation. That's why I've always said you need the basics and you need to be brave as well. Gaethje had the basics tonight. He stuffed those takedowns. Every time Habib came near him, you see him, he just pushed him off him. Two hands on the chest, Habib, pushed him off, circled out. The basics, he had him. That's how you stop Habib's takedowns. You use the basics like that. But then you, he didn't have the second part of it. He didn't have the confidence in himself and the confidence in his striking. He came out defensive like Ally Quinta and it, it wasn't going to work. But it's, <laughs> the, you know, what I I look at that, right? The, the, who in the basics fight? It was, uh, Justin Getchy did brilliantly, but Habib didn't lose it in any any uh, realm, if you, if you know what I mean. But who in the confidence fight? Who won that? It was absolutely Habib. Habib. I think everyone listening to this podcast would agree Habib is not as good a striker as Justin Gaethje. He, um, underrated striker, I think, not as good as him. Doesn't have the techni- technical acumen. But who landed the bigger, better strikes in that fight? I probably think most people probably say Habib and Magomedov because he was confident and he was coming out and he's landing his strikes. And that's, I know it's so tough to fight against Habib and that's, uh, you know, that's the way I think you beat him. But he beat someone in that way. And that's why I think tonight elevated him to a different uh, a, a different place in his career. And also, you know, we saw the rest and we saw the takedown late in the first round. We saw the takedown in the, in the second round off of kind of a trip as well. We saw the striking where he, he won the first round with striking. And then we saw the submission at the end as well. And that's a, that's a very big thing as well, I think, because, you know, I talk about jiu-jitsu an awful lot, and jiu-jitsu not working as much at the high top level of MMA as it used to. Well, Habib's fighting at the very top level of MMA, and he wins nearly every fight by submission. You know, there's only been three fights in the last 13 months, UFC title fights, that have uh, finished by submission, and Habib has won two of them. Davidson Figueroa is the only other one. He's one to that's how good he is and that's like it we, we always talk about in MMA variation changing things being good in different areas being well-rounded Habib's game is designed so that no matter where you attack him or what you do to him he has a way around it so if you attack him with striking he's going to come in and take you down uh if you're awful defensive like that he's going to go forward and strike and if you strike with him then he's going to take you down if you you get him on the ground he is going to get on top and land lots of big shots or he's going to submit you like he did tonight you i I said during the week you have to be very perfect you have to be very confident you have to have all the basics to beat habib and that you have to <laughs> then that's why we saw it tonight because he is so good We're, i know the performance okay it was it was a back and forth i suppose start to fight and he wins in, in the second round after winning the first round i i thought like it's, it's one of those performances you look at it and like okay you could probably pick things out of it and pick things through it but i think that's always kind of been habib's way that he kind of is so brave that it makes his dominance almost more impressive because he puts himself in positions where someone like Justin Gaethje, who is a big striker, who is an attacking striker, was right there standing with Habib, and he wasn't able to do anything to him, and Habib won in that position. And I think that's what impressed me most about Habib tonight. What, what did you think of the performance? Yeah, well, like as you mentioned, like I think I think like Gaethje not trusting his own striking, or you know, it definitely is a huge, huge factor. But take nothing away from Habib and what he did. You know, uh, as you said, like you know, if, if you had said before, before the before the fight started, that four minutes thirty seconds or four minutes twenty seconds, mm-hmm. where the fight was on the feet, 
he definitely would have thought at least Gagey would have would have landed some damage. Some some okay, he landed some damage with leg kicks and stuff like that in the odd punch, but he would have thought the damage would have been a lot higher and you definitely would have um you would have expected Habib for be, to be going for more takedowns, but he kind of was willing to throw and once he had success. He 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 wasn't you know, too de- so we've seen him very desperate in certain fights to, to get takedowns, jumping at ankles and legs. He wasn't like that. He's definitely become more confident in his in his stand up uh, in recent fights. And maybe we should be talking about everything in the in the past tense now. But uh, you know, um, he's obviously if he continues fighting, he's 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 that problem is uh, you know everybody knows what he's gonna what he's gonna do, and even even when you do or what he's going to try and do. And even when you do stuff, but then, as you said, you really got to have confidence in your in your game to to fight your own game against him. And, and Justin just didn't. Um, yeah. Just didn't didn't fight his own game. So that's like, you know, if you're going out there trying to do something different than your game, it's very hard in, in whatever, eight weeks, ten weeks to to become brilliant at, at something you don't do regularly throughout your career. Mm-hmm. Uh, Habib's almost one of those guys where you have to fight twice, maybe. You know, where you have to be in there and feel him and know what he's good at and then bring that confidence in from the second fight, you know, and change mm-hmm. the right things at the right time. Yeah, I don't Yeah, yeah. Gaethje, though, like, on, on, what did you think of his jiu-jitsu? Like, I know Habib was phenomenal on the ground, but he did seem to go through go through his guard uh, particularly easy. and mm-hmm. You know, uh, maybe... Maybe that's an element of, of Justin's game that we didn't really consider enough. Yeah, that's a good point as well because we, you know, everyone had talked about Justin Gaethje and his takedown defense and his wrestling acumen that he'd maybe never needed to use that jujitsu before. And he, you know, if it got into a wrestling battle, he'd win the wrestling battle. But if it, and then you know, if he didn't, it'd be a striking battle where he's improved and obviously very, very good at. So it's a very good point. Yeah, it's maybe his jujitsu isn't up to the mark. And you know, Habib's jujitsu. If you look at Habib's early record, I don't. I'll pull it up in front of me in a second now. But Habib has won many fights by triangle early in his career I remember uh, Luke Thomas put up something about a year ago and I was looking at it around the same time and was like Habib has all these submissions in his career and we're like you know <laughs> where did all these these submissions come from but if you look at early in his career he won by arm bars he won by Kimura he won three fights in a row 13 in a row 14 in a row 15 in a row all of them by triangle choke. So Habib has this in his arsenal as well. You know, Habib's not the type of guy who you just go in and maybe take down, you know, you're a really good wrestler and beat him there. You know, his last three wins, McGregor chucked him out in the fourth round. Poria chucked him out in the third round. Gaethje chucked him out in the second round. Uh, just, you know, you know, Habib has this in his arsenal. He's really good. You you know, and I, I always say, okay, Jiu-Jitsu doesn't work at the top level of MMA on its own. But if you have... A, a, a round one like that where okay yeah like where, you know where he did his uh, did a lot of good work on it and if you have um, wrestling like Habib as well if you can put the, the striking the wrestling and the jiu-jitsu together the, the, I'm telling you the jiu-jitsu is very fucking effective did so yeah I think it's it's interesting I suppose let's talk about what happened afterwards then Habib took off his gloves um, he struggled to get him off John Lennick came over he laid him down in the cage and he basically said, this is it, I'm done. I told my mother uh, I'm never going to fight again. I fought once here after my father passed. And I promised her I'm never going to fight again. So that's that. And he gave another few shout outs and things like that. But that was the, the main gist of it. Well, I know, Graham, the two of us are very, I'll say the word, cynical again about MMA retirements. And we've kind of created this hashtag MMA retirement stuff. But I'll be honest, yeah, this I believe one has- this one. <laughs> well, I don't know if I believe it, but this one definitely has a bit of maybe more weight behind it than... Uh, 99, 99% of the hashtag MMA retirements yeah. that go on uh, monthly. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, would I be surprised if he's back in six months a year? Oh, I spoke to my mother 
all this, you know, yeah, yeah, everything's yeah. okay. Like, uh, I don't know, like MMA retirements. Yeah, I could, I could definitely see him coming back, but I, if he had a, a lot of money on the table, you know, <laughs> uh, potentially. If he hadn't mentioned his mother, right, and if he hadn't mentioned his father, I would be saying, looking forward to his next one. But I, I didn't say that because it was, it was that. It, well, it was like an emotional release straight after the fight, yeah. where he was like crying in the fetal position and. Uh, you know, maybe you know, once all the endorphins and all the emotion settles down, and you know, when his you know his father died recently, when time passes, obviously it's still it's still hard, but it becomes you know mm-hmm. more normal to, to 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 be there to be without him, and you know what's he going to do if he does? like all these fighters? What are they, well, they always get the itch and end up back in the gym, and you know somebody somebody likes the the lights the flame under them again and they're back like uh, so yeah I think I think he'll be back I, I was talking back. I was talking to Phil about it though last week on the podcast and we were talking about this exact sort of situation about Habib retiring and I, I think there's more weight behind this because of what he said tonight but I think also and it was funny I heard Brian Ortega talking about this actually as well after myself and Philip had been talking last week about not liking the sport you know he loves training loves preparing loves his jiu-jitsu and wrestling and striking and all that but he hates the actual f- fight itself and hates the actual sport and I said last week before Ortega said that I thought Habib was, was a similar sort of thing and I think Habib if you ever see Habib like do videos in AKA or with his Dagestani boys or even with his father back in the day he was always kind of laughing and joking and smiling always happy like you rarely see Habib on like a fight week interview being happy or in the fight even being happy in the fight smiling being happy afterwards you know, even when he was beating the living I shit out of Michael Johnson. I think that's part of his persona, though, you know, his, his I, part of his, like, kind of mean mugging or, like, you know, these guys go into a zone. And yeah, I, I just, think a lot of guys are different on fight fight week or especially yeah. fight day and the, with the weight cut. And he does a heavy, heavy weight cut. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's obviously worried about making weight and not being able to eat and dehydrate. I, I, I don't know if you can read too much into that, to be honest. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't think he's one of these guys that enjoys it. I, I just don't think. I'd say, like... You'd say, what could Habib do next? I could, I think he could do what his father did next. You know, bring guys through with the sambo and with the wrestling and all that over in, in Dagestan. There's loads of those guys through and get into that role and be the trainer. Like, no, okay, we'll get on to what's going to be next and stuff. And obviously, you know, I'm not one of these people who go, oh, you know, if this is it for Habib, you know, he, he might fight again, as you said, but his mother could say to him and he could have a chat and it could all be fine again. And we maybe that's a, another chat for another day. Or in a, a few seconds. But here's here's the question as we maybe move on from it a small bit. Who do you think will fight for the UFC lightweight title next? Uh, the vacant title. If Habib, well, Habib has given it up now, so who do you think will fight for it? Well, like if if he does, I don't know. I'm sure over the next couple of weeks he'll be talking to Dana and the, the UFC brass and stuff like that. But uh, um, if if he's actually retired, like if if this is. A real, a real retirement, which you know is very rare. But I think, obviously, the the Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier fight would would be the the big one. Um, you know, Tony Tony would have been there in that fight in, in a fight for the title if if he hadn't lost recently. Like you, yeah. you can't really put him in there now. Um, you could potentially, but the fact that the Poirier and and Conor fight is already made. Mm-hmm. Or not already made, but you know what I mean. On the verge of being made. On the verge of being made, if if reports are to be believed, then it does seem like you know the stars have kind of aligned for both of those guys in that fight to become the title fight. If Habib is actually retiring, which I 
don't think he will. But he, you know, yeah. now that even if he doesn't retire and comes back now, now if if he for the next month or two, mm-hmm. he's he's saying he's retiring, and Dana will probably be like, "All right, give us that belt back, your strip to yeah, look at everything." You know, I think there, I think there's five people in line, right? Um, you mentioned three of them there: Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, Tony Ferguson. Uh, uh, Justin Gaethje, who lost tonight, obviously, and uh, Michael Chandler as well, who came into the UFC, caught way to get there today, and he's right up there, thereabouts. And you know, people will say, "What about Charles Oliveira? What about Isil Makachev?" And all the, I'm sure there's other guys around there and thereabouts, but those guys: McGregor, Poirier, Ferguson, Gaethje, Chandler. Those, those are the five guys who I think are in the mix for it now, right? Tony Ferguson, he was supposed to fight Poirier. Looks like that's not happening. Poirier's fighting McGregor. Justin Gaethje just lost tonight so he'll be out for a while and Michael Chandler was on the broadcast tonight and very oddly said he wants to take some time off now and come back maybe uh, uh, and start getting ready after Christmas which kind of puts him out of the room <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah, which was Book one of the sake. most odd things I thought they did a great job of promoting Michael Chandler and he did a great interview and then he said that it was the most odd thing ever but anyway um, so that really only maybe, leaves maybe, you. you know maybe he had a real hard wake up because yeah. like you know knowing that 99% you're probably not or 90% you're not going to fight mm-hmm. trying to keep that discipline a big guy muscly guy like you know maybe maybe yeah. he had a tough wake up to, to, to not it's fight true. again it is true but with that said the only two guys left in are McGregor and Poria and they just happen to be matched so like you could okay if McGregor and Poirier weren't matched, right? You could say okay, maybe make Poirier versus Tony Ferguson. I don't think anyone could dispute that. I think that'd be a fine title fight to make. I think it'd be really good. Maybe you make McGregor versus Chandler. Maybe you make McGregor versus Gaethje next, or McGregor versus Charles Charles Oliveira as maybe a number one contender fight. So, you know something like that. I think it'd be perfect. But the fact that the McGregor Poirier fight's already made. And Poirier, you know, won his last couple of fights since he he fought Habib as well and put himself in there. And McGregor has beaten Cowboy in uh, at the start of the year. I think that fight is kind of the de facto title fight. A lot of people might like that because it's you know we're, I'm saying the name Conor McGregor here, <laughs> and you know everyone remembers Conor McGregor getting choked out by Habib, and then remember Dustin Poirier getting choked out by Habib. But you know, Justin Gaethje just got choked out by Habib as well. And he just beat Tony Ferguson not too long ago. And Michael Chandler has never fought in the UFC. Everyone has their <laughs> their negative points in the UFC lightweight division. And they always will because it's such a, a killer's, uh, a murderer's row. Oh, apart from Habib, obviously. But he's uh, leaving the fray now. So I think it's a very interesting one. I'd love to see uh, um, Justin Gaethje maybe take a bit of a break. Get uh, Michael Chandler versus Tony Ferguson. And the winner of that fight faces the winner of McGregor versus Poirier. Even if you want to hold the belt up and not put it on the line for McGregor versus Poirier, which I think they absolutely will. Have the two, you know, two semi-finals and then the winner fights for the title. I think that's something that you can go by too. But uh, may, uh, we'll move on from these the slight wet picture after this now. But <laughs> right, I think most people listening to this podcast will probably agree that the f- title fight is going to be on the line, whether you like it or not. McGregor versus Poirier, if Habib goes through with this. If Conor McGregor wins that fight, right, against Dustin Poirier, how long will Habib stay retired for after that? Imagine McGregor walking around <sighs> with Habib's belt that he left go. Like, Talking how... how he, he ran off and yeah. how he, he, <laughs> yeah. he came in, hung over, and, and Habib the knows and all this, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's uh, and how big does that fight become then? Habib comes out of retirement to fight Conor McGregor, you know, uh, calling him a champ and all this stuff. Yeah, Habib, you know, Habib's not afraid of a good promo either. So yeah, obviously the the first pay per view was like two point four, two point six million or something. Mm-hmm. 
I think this one will be even bigger in terms of interest. I don't know about the numbers because of the ESPN thing, but in terms of people knowing who who Habib is, they, obviously a lot of people knew who Habib was going into the, the Conor fight, but a lot more people know who he is now. One hundred percent. Yeah, so it'd be it'd be very interesting. Obviously, we've you know we just spoke about it here for the last what twenty three and a half minutes. It could take five hours of chatting to, to work all this thing out, but. Overall, I think, you know, we'll, we'll obviously talk about Habib beginning and about his career and about everything he's done, but, you know, wanted, if he retires right now, if we never see him again, which is an odd thing to say from what we've said in previous years, but has to go down as one of the, the greatest ever, has to go down as one of the most dominant ever, you know. Gleason T. Bow was the only one to get close to beating him in his UFC career. McGregor is the only one, I think, who's won a round off him in a long, long time. You know, maybe not. I think Justin... Actually, I'm just looking at the cards there a second ago. I think two of the judges actually had Justin Gaethje, which maybe I need to... Or maybe I was uh, going a bit mad and I need to go back <laughs> and rewatch that fighting in and Gaethje or uh, Habib won it dominantly. But, yeah, it was... Uh, <laughs> Well, you know, I think the, the the dominated striking thing is a bit is a bit of an exaggeration. Yeah, maybe maybe went overboard, because yeah. he was doing a lot better than than maybe it's, you expected or most people expected. It kind of you know it kind of distorts the the view. But I do think you know with with the takedown, I did think Habib did enough to yeah, win the round. But it was I, very, I don't very think the close. takedown mattered much. But I, yeah, I don't know. It's it's one of those anyway. Whatever, Habib twenty nine and all. I I I would love it if he did retire though because. What a way to go! Like, and what a way for like future people. You know, MMA is a copycat sport. Every time someone comes through and has success, people copycat it. I I'd love if people started copycatting retirements and saving your brain and saving your body for years to come when you've made a load of money. Habib's made a lot of money too. You know, you mentioned that number there with McGregor. A lot of money there. They they said this was charting off the off the charts, which I don't believe. But I'm sure he made a lot of money for this. He made a lot of money for that Paria fight over in Abu Dhabi as well. So Habib is pretty well off, and he doesn't live beyond his means uh, either. I think if if uh, everything is to be believed, so. You know, fair play to Habibi. <laughs> you know, it's very odd that we see people actually kind of complete the game of MMA. Like, I think Lesnar has kind of done it. McGregor has kind of done it as well. Where you kind of, if you left now, you never fought again. You have gotten out better than MMA has gotten <laughs> gotten from you. And that is very odd. You can... Uh, but, 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 you know, uh, before we start giving them credit for that and setting a, setting a journey... Mr. Wade, we'll, no, well, he did, but we'll wait to see in, in six months' time, yeah, okay. or even in less time, you know, what he what he's saying. If he, you know, he could be trying to get a pay rise here as well. Uh, you know, nah, I don't know. No, he's not going to bring his mother and father up like that. I, I know, but like he's he, 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 there's probably a lot of factors going on. He's he's not a stupid man. He probably knows that, like, you know, he has a a lot of leverage if he does if he does want if they do if he, if he was to want to fight again, the UFC would have to pay him a lot of money, and mm-hmm. you know. He'd have um, he'd, he'd he'd have a big incentive of a lot of money still on the table at his age to come back. But obviously, the UFC are you know notorious, and Dana White is notorious for trying to trying to undercut <laughs> underpay guys. So maybe it's it, a part of it is he feels he's not valued, and you know if he was to be valued with a huge offer to fight, for example, a, a Conor McGregor who, if he fights Dustin Poirier and wins, for example, is then the lightweight champion. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that would be a huge fight. Dana could, you know, make it happen. These guys at Disney, maybe we, they'd wait until the, the stadiums are back or the, not the stadiums, the, the spectators are back yeah. in the in the arenas and stuff. But there's a lot of money to be made there and they, maybe they'd have to cut them a bigger percentage. But, you know, everybody... Everybody has a price. Mm-hmm. Never forget that. Never forget that, indeed. Never forget that. Apart from 
Cole Conrad, he doesn't have a price. Cole Conrad, milk. Well, like if the UFC offered him five million now, he'd probably be straight back in there. He you know what like I mean? Cole Conrad, white gold. No way, he'll be making way more than that out of money. Absolutely, out of milk. Sorry, no. Absolutely, get in there five million just to crush somebody. Come on. Yeah, he beat everyone as well. Him versus Stephen Miocic, handy fight for uh, for Cole Conrad. But however, uh, let's run through the rest of the card here. This Robert Whitaker versus Jerry Cannonier fight. I think it went kind of almost exactly as I as I thought, apart from the big leg for kicks from Cannonier. He fucking rushed him in on Whitaker from the very start and his leg was reddening up but I don't think I've ever seen someone take you are right I don't think I've ever seen anyone take as many clean leg kicks and for it not to knock one stir out of <laughs> Robert Whitaker looked the exact same at the start of the fight as he did at the end of the fight physically in terms of like movement and everything like that after these leg kicks he was reddened like fuck but he was moving fine he was moving perfect for the whole fight Robert Whitaker is one of these guys, you can fuck up his knee, you can knock him down, you, he can go 10 rounds at Yoel Romero, try and fucking fly knees with him, and it doesn't knock a stir Did he dislocate his shoulder in a fight before as well? Yeah, he, I'm pretty he sure he did, yeah. He's, uh, oh, apart from Wonderboy, like, Wonderboy, is, that, that's how good Wonderboy is, but, like, Robert Whitaker must be one of the toughest fighters in UFC history, and he just, uh, he's so smart as well. I think Daniel Cormier called it, no, Cormier again, just awful, but he called it in the middle of, of the first round, like, Whitaker has changed up, and he started to go forward and not let Cannoneer land those leg kicks and get inside uh, of Cannoneer, and um, if he did land the leg kicks, he was landing jabs right down through the middle and big right hands straight down the, the pipe as well. And in the third round, they knocked him down big at the start of the round. Then Cannoneer knocked him down as well at the towards the end of the round, or, or buzzed him anyway, maybe not knocked him down, but really, really <laughs> a smashing fight. I had a 30 27 for Cannoneer. I'm not sure which round they gave to Whitaker. Maybe Whitaker. The, the first you round mean, was it? Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. 30 27 to Whitaker. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. What did you think of it? There was definitely, you know, it was it was a good performance uh, from both guys, but there was there was a couple of close rounds. But I do think um, I do think the the thirty twenty seven I I would I'd agree with, and uh, I do uh, I do think you know I saw a couple of people giving thirty twenty sixes. I I don't think it was like that, but um, you know, with those with those leg kicks, you know, at the time they probably didn't he did, they didn't take too much out of him, but I'd say now he's probably in a, in a heap because. There's no way they didn't do a lot of damage. You, just, you know, you see a lot of guys change up their their stance and kind of show the other guy that they're that they're hurting and kind of encourage them. Whitaker definitely gave no kind of encouragement, and as mm-hmm. you said, push forward and kind of negate them as well. So yeah, it was it was a it was a, good, a really good performance from Whitaker again. You know, uh, I was surprised. We, we I think we both said we were surprised at the odds being so close. It was a basically a pick and fight. Uh, and like you know, it, he definitely wasn't uh, he wasn't completely outmatched or anything. But uh, I do think Whitaker, you know, kind of did what I thought he would do. Mm-hmm. After that Wonderboy fight, he was eleven four, and now he's twenty two and five. Only lost Israel Adesanya along <laughs> along that you know beating guys like Uriah Harl, Derek Brunson, Jacare, Yoel Romero twice, Darren Till, and no Cannonier. Mm-hmm. Why, do think, why do you think? Why do you think? Or the 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 betting line was was like that I honestly have no idea I, I couldn't believe it when I saw it I was like you know I, I, I was thinking like is there some kind of injury that we don't know yeah. about that the boogies I, I don't know like I was like something's going on here or am I just I don't know do I just have this fight completely wrong am yeah. I Jan Blak- Blakovich <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jared, Jared Cantonier yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cantona yeah. here yeah so yeah it, yeah, it, was, it, it played out I, I actually thought Can- I nearly called him Cantonier Cantonier actually fought better than I expected him to and, and Whitaker still won but uh, a really good fight anyway uh, Whitaker has to be up there around for another uh, rematch like you can't be Till and Cantonier and not be there or thereabouts again so 
I think he's right back up there. Maybe get another fight first. Um, maybe at the side of my fight, Jones. We'll, we'll see what'll happen. But he's right there, thereabouts anyway. Again, um, after that, then we'd Alexander Volkov who TKO'd Wild Harris with a teep kick to the guts. Um, you know, and a good, a good back and forth fight. They said Wild Harris had lost thirty pounds coming into the fight, and uh, it, you know he looked like it. He looked a little bit faster. He was throwing that left hand really, really well. But Volkov is just. You know, if you're striking with Volkov in a match like that, he's one of those guys he's very hard to beat unless you're very, very good as well, you know, and he's long and he uses his lint well and he throws that teep up through the middle and that's what ended it for him. Like, Volkov, you, you look at his record and he's a guy who is always in the top, what, six, seven, eight. He's he, Okay, he lost the Curtis Blades in his last fight, unanimous decision, uh, and he lost to Derek Lewis a few fights before after dominating him in the last 11 seconds, but before that he beat... Um, Verdum, he beat Struve, he's beaten you know Ryan Nelson and Timmy Johnson and stuff before that as well, uh, and beat Greg Hardy obviously in the middle of it. And you know, in that heavyweight division, if you're putting wins like that together, you're going to be there or thereabouts as well. But I, I think Walt Harris is a good fighter, not a great fighter. But what I saw from him tonight, even in a, in a loss, I think he's shown signs of improvement, and he could have got he could be a guy who might move forward i think he's still training like in alabama and i don't know if he's in the best gym in the world so maybe if he's a guy you know he could be benefit him maybe moving to aka or somewhere like that and i, I think he's uh, trained in other places before for for times but if he could full time somewhere else i think it'd be probably a, a really really good move for him but however a uh, good win there for volkov anyway um what do you think of phil hawes uh, Graham, I almost called you Moser there for some yeah. reason. Eight, Eighteen <laughs> seconds straight. Yeah, straight it was. I I didn't have much faith in him going into this from seeing him years back, but uh, you know, on the tiny bit of evidence we have here from a quick KO, he 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 looked very good and um yeah um not what I was expecting, but uh yeah very very obviously very quick and good finish. Yeah, wasn't it Jackie and Buckley that fought middleweight as well there recently? The guy with the the jumping spinning wheel kick KO. I'd love to see him fight Phil Hawes. I think that'd be a very, very good fight. Like, if anyone didn't see it, Hawes came out and he just started throwing fucking bombs right down through the middle. Uh, Malcoon kind of backed up. And the second he kind of backed up, he he just completely attacked him because when he threw that left hook and he hit him with it, the right hand was coming so quickly after that Malcoon was actually kind of falling into the right hand more than anything. And it hit him in, like... It, that's one of those ones I showed it in slow motion I was looking at the left and then the right was coming I was like oh no and it was like just it fucking bursted the fucking head off him it was one of those shots that like there's I don't care what kind of a chin you have you're just not sending up after that one and uh, you know Phil Hawes we talked about it before he's actually I, I talked about he was at uh, Jackson Wink and he was training with John Jones and they were saying he's the next John Jones and everything like that he's actually moved Jim now uh, and it's three six five or something like that. I think he, I think he's trying out Michael Chandler. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I was looking at his Instagram yesterday just to kind of find out. But he's training with some good UFC fighters and big Bellator fighters as well. So he's in another good gym now as well. So it looks really really good, and he's definitely one to keep an eye on. They tried to rush him, I think, a little bit to get him into tough that time, and then in the Dana White Contender series. But now I think he's ready, and he's uh, what ten fights into his career or something like that. So he's looking really, really good here. Um, yeah, he looks a completely different fighter than he did back yeah. back when we we first saw him emerge. And obviously, you know, we we talk about it all the time with young guys kind of going in too early and how it can be detrimental to your career. But mm-hmm. you can also you can also turn it around if if you. If you put in the the, the, the right work. 100%. 100%. And 9 and 2 years, so he's 11 fight today. Uh, then we had Lauren Murphy versus uh, Lilia Sakirova. Um, 
Lauren Murphy looked really good, you know, got the second round rear naked choke, looked look good everywhere, looked good on the ground, and cut one of the best promos I've seen in a long time in the UFC, basically got the stats out, said I'm the number two, and I won four fights in a row, and I've won two inside the distance, and no one else has won that many, and all, it was brilliant, I think Dan Stuff tweeted, she's about to get a PowerPoint presentation out <laughs> to deliver her promo afterwards, it was, I really, really enjoyed it, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was absolutely brilliant, and a, a very, very good performance as well, you know, in that division as well where uh, Valentina Shashinko is obviously at the top of the 125 pound division and dominant there you, you're you looking at someone like Lauren Murphy and you're thinking you know Maya has got a title shot here we had um, what's her name um, Georgia Calderwood on the verge of a title shot and we've other people as well like Lauren Murphy can certainly get a title shot in that division I think now the thing about it is there's it's kind of evening itself out now. You have Jessica Andrade coming up there as well. You have Cynthia Calvillo uh, uh, there thereabouts as well who've just come into the division. So if Lauren Murphy is to get one, I think she needs to get one very soon. I think Mayan and Shu and uh, Shevchenko, if I'm not mistaken, are fighting very soon um, down here in, in a couple of weeks. So that's uh, that's definitely one I think Lauren Murphy, if she's getting it, I think now is the time to get it because there's a lot of tough people coming up behind. So I uh, might do a, a Leon Edwards and, and, and sit out and try to wait for which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But however, a very good performance from Ireland's own Lauren Murphy there. Uh, Magomed and Kaliyev then... You know, this <laughs> as as was kind of going to happen in this fight, they were just throwing paws, and uh, he got uh, he got the big KO over Yunku Talaba. Bit of a late stoppage there. Well, and also in the main event, there was a bit of a late stoppage. Uh, Gaethje was tapping, and I think it was Jason Herzog. I uh, didn't see it, um, but mm. you know, it was. Yeah, he was kind of tapping on his head, and yeah, it was a bit. It, it, it was, was a bit one. strange. Yeah. yeah, and he did like within a couple of seconds, kind of shake his hand or mm-hmm. lift his hand and realize. Oh, I don't think it was anything egregious. It definitely was a little bit late, but yeah. you know, when you're not a hundred percent sure he's tapping, it's better to leave. Like it was striking the guys out. It's different than yeah, you know, a choke. I think he was. He was kind of he where he tapped was like inside towards the cage as well, and like on his face. It was one of those ones that. I was looking I was like oh he tapped and I was like did he and you know I was one of them like I think you're better off if you're not sure to give that a second if you're the referee because you do not want to stop a fight on a tap early uh, in a world title fight like that you know he okay Justin Gaethje it looked like he went out um, after the fight but you know as he said himself afterwards I got choked out it's not going to be long term I'll be back in six weeks it'll be very different as you said if it was strike so you know it's a mistake obviously and you don't want that to happen but no one no one got hurt because of it so um yeah um after that then i didn't see all of these fights i won't lie to you because i was watching the most boring fucking soccer match of all time between man united and chelsea horrendous but tied to ivasa got a lovely ko over uh stefan shrove um up against the fence and knocked him out didn't climb the fence and then kicked stefan shrove in the fucking face as he was celebrating which is just what stefan shrove didn't need uh casey kenny and nathaniel wood put on a fantastic fight um over uh, three rounds and Casey Kenny got the, the decision there. You know, relatively close one. I uh, I wasn't watching it in, in scoring time the way, so I might need to go back and watch it. Probably never will, but it was a great, great fight. Um, it won fight at night here. Yeah, so it was 14 to 1 fight at night. I remember looking at that during the week. I was like, fuck it. I was going to was gonna look at that. So fair play to, to the both of those guys. And Nathaniel Wood will be back strong again. 
Shak Shakrat Rahimov versus Alex Oliveira. Very really good guillotine choke there for him. Sam Alvey and Da Young Jung put on a great fight as well. That was one of the ones I saw, and that was a draw. That was a split draw, and it it, it had split draw written all over it. I was I was sitting in uh, uh, in the sitting room there, and I was like, "That's going to be a split draw." Yeah, your boy, was, your boy uh, Ben Cartledge had a, yeah, had, had as, uh, the ten eight as well. That made it made it a split draw. Yeah, I had as well. I had a twenty eight. Kindred, kindred spirits. We kindred are. spirits. <laughs> me, me and Ben not. Me and Ben not. The only right one. So don't only two boys in the world level to judge a fight properly. Me and Vin. Nah, we, we wouldn't we wouldn't uh, trust you to judge a hot dog eating contest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big fan of hot dogs to be honest. So I wouldn't trust myself either. Um, then we had Miranda Maverick versus Jan Joju. Doctor Stoppage round one. I didn't see that. Did you see that? Uh, that that fight, Maverick versus Joju. No. No, I didn't. Fair play, no. And then Joel Alvarez won by uh, Amber and an arm. We're going to almost 2020. It's October yeah. 2020. You, 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 you can't. You're not going to be able to be fake surprised at uh, every every podcast arm when arm when arm there's armbars and submissions in, in main cards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, oh, oh, up and down. A pretty you, you, good. You, you've been kind of you've been kind of winding it back a bit. You, you've been saying, oh, I've been saying for you for a while now that um, it doesn't work in top high level for echelon MMA. That, right. that wasn't the That's that was exactly somebody needs to somebody said. needs to clip up the the rant about how it doesn't work at all anymore. That's exactly what I've always no. said. You're, you're, no, you're taking to, my words out of context there. I, I'm too lazy to go back and look through all the episodes, but. There's definitely a couple of rants there um, that have a different, definitely singing a different tune. Not at all. You're absolutely taking my words out of context there. I've always said exactly that and nothing else, but sure. However. Hopefully somebody can provide me with uh, more uh, factual ammunition for the, for the next podcast. <laughs> factual ammunition, that's great. That is, that's a fantastic That'd be a great t-shirt, factual ammunition. Brilliant, I love it. Um... Right, we'll run through quickly the next cards, and then we've one or two other topics. So next week's UFC cards, um, not bad. Anderson Silva versus Uriah Hall. Anderson Silva says it's going to be his last ever fight, so looking forward to his next one after it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but what do you think? Uh, I think Anderson has a pretty good chance, a good chance of winning this. So yeah, how come? Um, just because Uriah Hall, like, you know... He... When he goes in there, it's he's fighting somebody like Anderson Silva, who obviously was reigning at the top of the game for a long time, when at his, or when... Um, Uriah Hall was coming up, um, you know, somebody who's kind of maybe mentally not as strong as as other guys in Uriah Hall. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I like Anderson still like you know he's definitely not Anderson Silva like he was, but he's still a very dangerous striker. Uh, I don't know. Like uh, might be picking Anderson to win this one. I don't. I think the five round distance suits Uriah Hall to be honest because. I don't think Anderson maybe has the gas these days to go five rounds. I could see him maybe doing well early, winning a round or two. But, you know, remember when um, Aldo fought Yan? And I think even in his fight before it as well. Was it the, the Marais fight? Where he was kind of... Or was that five rounds? I can't remember. The Yan fight anyway. He kind of... He was doing well early. And then he kind of wilted towards the third, fourth, fifth round. I could see this with Anderson Silva. I could see, you know, maybe 29, 28 after the third round, and then he just kind of dies a death, and Hall ends up finishing it maybe in the fourth and fifth round. Yeah. I think it could be one mm. of those, you know. I could see Hall crumble as well if, if Anderson starts putting together some some nice combos in the, in the first few rounds. I could see Uriah Hall just kind of taking a knee and getting yeah. paid or something like that. I, I think if Anderson draws him into like a mental battle where Anderson looks really confident and he's like, come on, come on, come on, man, like putting himself against the cage. And then Uriah Hall is like, 
not pulling the trigger and not throwing like spinning kicks I think Anderson could win it in that stage but if Anderson does that and Hall starts throwing those big shots it could be a very nasty night for Anderson Silva but I think it's a fun fight a fun matchup this one that's been muted for a long long time so no, I like it. I, I, I will watch that fight. Um, after that, then, Andre Feely versus Bryce Mitchell. A fantastic featherweight fight. You know, Andre Feely has been doing nothing but improving for the last few years. Bryce Mitchell, after shooting his balls off, has come back and looked really, really good in that division. One of the best ads of all time. Have you seen that ad? It was, it was absolutely fucking brilliant. Like, selling, what was he selling? Car tires or cars or some shit. Just shooting windows out and things. Absolutely brilliant. But uh, that should be a good fight. Kevin Holland versus Mahmoud Muradov. Morris Green versus Greg Hardy. That sounds like two lads from fucking Corey Kerry fighting each other. Bobby Green versus Thiago Moises. You know, Bobby Green has looked fantastic. He's probably been one of the stars of uh, of lockdown, so he's looked really good. Chris Grushmeyer versus uh, Alexander Hernandez. Good fight in lightweight division as well. Uh, Sean Strickland, Jack Marshman. Wales is on, I believe, Jack Marshman. I always get Jack Marshman mixed up with someone else. Uh, yeah, Wales, yeah. Here, there, and... Welshman. There we go. Uh, Priscilla Cachojero and the worst fighters in UFC history fighting Courtney Casey. Miles Johns up there as well fighting Ke- Kevin Nadvidad. Feliz Navidad. Anyway, yeah, so Jason Witt's call with other people as well. There's other lads fighting there. Congratulations to each and every one of them. Fair play to them. Um... Next week as well, we have one championship have a fight on. Are you um, not going to mention the, the rear naked choke from uh, Harry Maguire? Harry Maguire, is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, the fucking match was so bad. There's three times. Three no t- penalty, no penalty. How is that not a penalty? <laughs> not the top. Three title what fights. Three title fights are one I've seen next week. Martin Ingain for the 155 on title against Tan Lee. Um... Yuri Lap- Lapkus versus Christian Lee for the 170 title and 205 title. And Sung Aang Lusnang versus Rainier the, the Riddler. So, yeah, a few good fights on there as well. Edward Feilang, not the guy who beat Eddie Alvarez, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, let me click into him. He's fighting as well there on that card at 170 pounds next week. Let me just click down here. Let me just make sure I have the right lad. Is it him? Is it him, Graham? Do you think it's him? Hold on, I'm just looking. Oh... Is uh, it? That must be pretty slow down there, is it? He lost Eddie Alvarez. Oh, he lost Eddie Alvarez. Sorry, yeah. So yeah, fair. He lost to Shinya Aoki. So I knew he fought Eddie Alvarez. So fair. Credit to me for that one. Yeah, well, when, when stuff happens in one uh, one FC, uh, doesn't 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 really happen. No, yeah, they, you know, uh, if, 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 if a fight is one in the forest, if a fighter falls in the forest and nobody's there to hear it, it's a really one. Yeah, fair play to right. Bellator have a very well a good enough card next week. Uh, anything on the undercard here? Bobby Volker versus Sabah Hamasi on the undercards. Um, Jared Scoggins on the undercard as well. Adam Barrocks fighting Eric Sanchez. That'd be a pretty good fight. Jake Hager. We the people. Jack Swagger from the from WWE. He's in uh, AEW at the moment with Chris Jericho and the boys. Nick Newell is on this card as well. Uh, Henry Corrales versus Brandon Gertz in the co-main event. And in the main event, the fight, I suppose... Bellator fans, if that, that's a thing, have been waiting for for years. Well, not get years, months. Get out your months. Bellator t-shirts. Yeah, I got <laughs> Remember before I had a big rant about Bama fans? I'm like, no one actually is a fan of Bama. <laughs> I think that was, that was one of the weirdest rants ever. Like, I think some people have actually emerged, and I've seen Sean Dini. You Okay, you can have KSW fans, and I think you can have K-Dryers fans, but like at the time, I think my, my, uh, my point was valid. And I think... Regional MMA and those sort of MMA uh, promotions have really changed in that we can now see them all on, on TV and all, and we can see people like growing and getting, you know, building their way. But that's a, a talk for another day. But anyway, Gegard Mousasi versus Douglas Lima. What do you think, Graham? Who's going to win it? Oof, like, 
it's a really hard one to, to call. Like Gegard's a big guy, um, and he and he's very tactical, and you know, on his day, um, I I, I actually think probably I probably have to lean slightly towards Musasi here. Uh, I think I think I have a tendency of under underestimating Lima, but uh, I do think he'll be able to. You know, he he's good at at, at range. Musasi is, and he will have a substantial. Um, I think he'll have a substantial reach advantage anyway. It'd be interesting to see them, you know, face off and see. Sometimes you can be, you can think a guy's a lot bigger th- than the other guy, and then when they actually face off, you don't realize or or the other way around. Um. So yeah. Um. Like I wouldn't be surprised either way, but I probably I probably lean towards Musasi. Yeah, I I believe in Douglas Lima and what he's really really good at. The problem with Douglas Lima is his wrestling has been his downfall in the past, and I know it's improved an awful lot. And was it the second McDonald fight? He was a lot better. Um, but Musasi's wrestling is very underrated. You know, he's a bit like Glover Teixeira and that everyone thinks of him as maybe a striker, but his wrestling is really, really good as well. And, like, he's going to be a bigger man here. Can I see him taking down Douglas Lima and beating him on the ground over five rounds? I think I probably can, to be honest. And I think... You know, this is one, like, I, I don't... I, I really have fights where my heart is going against my head because I'm not... That, I usually always go up my head, even though my head is usually fucking wrong. But I just feel like... I kind of love the style of Lima, but I feel like the style of Musasi is just a bad style for the style of Lima, you know, and, you know, horses for courses, styles make fights, and I just feel like that might be, might be the reason that, uh, the Gegard Musasi is, is gonna win this one, but, you know, if it stays on the feet, I think it'd be a fantastic fight, maybe it's one of those fights where Musasi just decides to, to start trading on the feet with him, 35 years of age as well now, remember Gegard Musasi, and this will be his... 56th fight if I'm not mistaken how many 56th fight yeah that's a lot a lot a lot are you counting are you counting the the Fedor exhibition or or not (laughs) Fedor what's that about Fedor exhibition I don't remember that Fedor armbarred him in an exhibition slash pro wrestling match in the middle of uh, an actual MMA event for for nobody knows why what was I don't remember that. Jesus, we'll have to do a fucking yeah. rewatch on that. That'd be a bit of bit of in, J- in Japan. So yeah, yeah. you this, know, Matsu yeah, goes yeah. on over there. This is on in, Thursday in, night. In, as in well. the past, anyway. Yeah, sure you might as well. Thursday night, eight o'clock, et eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, one, and the clocks are going back. So that's like twelve o'clock. Is it our time? So that's that's not bad at all. Come here to me, Graham. One or two things here before we go. Leon Edwards versus uh, Shemayev. Shemayev. They took Edwards out of the rankings. The next day, this <laughs> fight was made. I know we talked about it before and I've kind of refused to talk about Leon Edwards until he's a fight book so we can talk about it again even though I've talked about him every week up until then anyway but (laughs) (laughs) I okay Leon Edwards right he's a very good fighter I think he overestimates himself in terms of his placement in the UFC an awful lot uh, and that has a, been a big of, problem. In terms of like, if you're talking in terms of like it being a structured league of points and stuff yeah he's definitely up there but it, that's not how it works yeah you know what I mean <laughs> not a charismatic guy not a charismatic fighter really very good fighter don't get me wrong but he doesn't have like this unstoppable yeah he's not yeah. the he's not the guy that you can't deny you know I'd say there's very few, like, you know, Leon Edward highlight reels that fans have put together on, on no. YouTube and stuff. You know, he's not, he, he hasn't got a rabid fan base. You know, winning fights isn't enough. Uh, well, like, if it is if you if you do it, you know, all the time against the top guys. But <laughs> even if you do that, like, look at Anderson Silva when he was a champion. 
in terms of in terms of like ability and the guys he beat and how he beat them, he, he should have been the most popular fighter in the world, but he, but he wasn't. You know, somebody like Brock Lesnar comes in and has like more personality and more hype and all that stuff, and yeah. knows how it works better, and he has way bigger pay per view. It's, it, mm-hmm. The UFC is a business. Like these guys are trying to make money, and you know, you you got to realize that uh, it takes more than just winning. Yeah, a hundred percent. You and. But you can do it if you make the right decisions as well. Like, you know, I, I think the, the problem for Leon Edwards was the Woodley fight was the perfect fight for Leon Edwards at that time. It was before Woodley got these couple of big losses and it was before, uh, obviously, the lockdown. If that had happened and he had won that, he would be right up there. You know, he would be the one in line. But he just didn't have that one huge win. He had some very good wins. Gunnar Nelson and Dos Anjos, I think he beat as well, didn't he? And a few more. But then the problem was, Wonderboy, that seemed like a great fight. And he wouldn't fight him. Gilbert Burns, they were talking about that, and he wouldn't fight him. And there was a, there was just he didn't want to fight anyone. And people that are ahead of him, and people that are better known than him, and people that, you know, some people might think are better fighters than him. And then there was a lot of people at, at maybe the midpoint of that, and like a few people started talking about Leon Edwards, and he was being robbed and on. And as always happens in MMA, people kind of buy into it without thinking. But I think he kind of. A few weeks ago, he lost all of those people, but just, we were just kind of getting sick of it. We're like, just take a fucking fight. And okay, you know, if you... It, it, and I don't think it's a thing like Poria where people had sympathy for him because he uh, wanted more money and he was willing to take fights, but he's like, give me the money and I'll fight. Leon Edwards is not like that. He was just like, I'm not fighting, you know, and people don't like that. If you're willing to fight for the money you're on and you need a fight <laughs> badly and then you still won't take that fight... It's just that looks so bad. And now he's taken out of the rankings and he was kind of ramroded into this, which I absolutely don't like from the UFC. You know, I think it's Leon Edwards' prerogative to do what he tried to do. Um, I disagree what he tried to do, but I also disagree with the UFC trying to ramrod him into it. And that's exactly what they do, or railroad him into it. Anyway, but the thing about it is... Well, I, it's I, hard to believe, you know, everything as well. Like, you know, yeah. people say, oh, he didn't take this out, he didn't take this fight, you know. He kind of said knows. it, though. He, like, refused on Twitter. He was talking to Wonderboy. He's like, no, I'm not fighting you, I'm not fighting Burns and all this, you know. Yeah, yeah, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's it's true. But you also, you know, maybe maybe UFC were offering him things that they knew he didn't want. You know, just to, mm-hmm. you know, obviously he ended up taking something that he probably didn't want in in gym. I have, but you know, uh, I'd I'd, ha- I'd have to go back and watch a bit of tape before making a pick. But I I do think it's an extremely difficult matchup for him to take, especially when he's been inactive. Yeah, uh, and Shimaev has been very active. Yeah, um, I, I so, think it's I think it's a fifty-fifty enough fight. Uh, and the problem is here, right? Everyone's saying like, "Oh, Shimaev has everything to win here because if he beats Leon Edwards, he's going to take his spot in the rankings, and Leon Edwards is going to have been beaten by a rank guy. And if, even if Leon Edwards re- wins, he's beaten a non-rank guy, and everyone's going to say he's nah, shy. Yeah, I don't, I don't. The I don't rankings don't mean that, that much. No, they mean even less now than they've ever meant because of what happened to Leon Edwards the other day. They're a sham. But no, nah, they they never meant anything. Never meant no, anything. But me, yeah, they never meant anything. But I think if Leon Edwards beats Shimaev, people will actually think more of Leon Edwards, I think, than they've ever thought of him because they rate Shimaev that highly. And especially if it's a fight where he kind of shuts him down and beats him well. Um, and in a way where maybe Shimaev looks a bit good as well at the same time. You know, it's not just a guy, oh, he's overmatched, he was thrown in there too early and stuff. I, I think there's a lot to earn here for Leon Edwards. And it'll put him, like, right in line to get the, the winner if that fight ever happens between... Um, 
between Gilbert Burns and and uh, and Usman. So I, I, you know, I think it makes. A bit I of think sense, you know but, the excitement yeah. behind Shimaev actually means more to most fans than the yeah, rankings. Absolutely. You know, if you beat somebody like Shimaev, I think it's actually bigger than beating most of the other guys. Could not agree 10. more. I could not. You put it brilliantly there. I could not agree more. Um, yeah, 100%. A couple of things. We'll answer one or two questions before we go. Thanks as well again to our, our sponsors, My Book. Use the promo code Severe May over there to get a match bet up to a thousand bucks. My Bookie, promo code Severe MMA. Bellator have made some cuts, Graham. Um, I think our boy Jake over in Fight and Talk and Severe May as well tweeted some of them out. Uh, Terry Brazier was one of them that, uh, and some of these guys have gone off the, the Bellator app and the Bellator uh, lineup. Some of them haven't been confirmed yet but I think Dylan Logan as well has gone from Bellator and a lot of the Bellator Europe guys are gone now I've reached out to Bellator and asked them what's the crack and I think Andy Stevenson did too and he got an answer back that basically said no comments and I got no answer back which is not unusual but doesn't look good for Bellator Europe um we said it when this this whole deal kind of fell apart and now they're moving to CBS Sports it's going to be tough to keep all the the Bellator Europe fighters that they had and the whole Bellator Europe series, and especially with the uh, with the coronavirus as well here. Obviously, you know we, we kind of forget about it at times in the world of MMA because it's all seemingly gone on. But like, they're not going to be able to put on shows in Dublin, London, Manchester, Newcastle, Birmingham, France, Italy, all of them in one year, like they were planning to do and they had been doing and did the roster for before. So unfortunately, that going that's going to mean some people are going to get caught now. For Irish MMA, um, I don't think it'll have as big an effect maybe on the Irish guys as it would on other guys because they have such a strong Irish base and can sell tickets so well in Ireland and have James Gallagher and have you know the other guys there in 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 especially obviously SPG have most of those guys. But I think f- and, and you know this is me speculating here obviously, so maybe it will or maybe it won't or maybe you know whatever will happen. But I think for a lot of the Maybe the European and the English and and UK guys, it's going to be uh, it's going to be an unfortunate time for somebody. Maybe and hopefully maybe they'll come back afterwards. But I, I've always thought the Bellator Europe we've talked about it a long time was going to be a relatively short term thing. Um, and maybe the coronavirus has sped that up. But you know, hopefully I'm wrong, and hopefully for not all, for the sake of all the fighters over here, it, it comes back and it comes back strong. But I don't think it looks great at this time. What 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 do you think, Graham? When you saw a lot of the guys getting getting caught this week? Yeah, well, you know, I think a lot of the a lot of the reason they signed a lot of these, especially Irish uh, guys, was you know the arenas they can they can sell in in Dublin, and that's mm-hmm. not 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 an option as you said. And you know, uh, it's, it's easier to. You know, and especially in this pandemic, it's easier to to get fighters locally than than from from Europe. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. And at the time, it did seem like when they did sign a lot of these guys, they did sign a lot, and they probably did sign too many anyway, even without the coronavirus. Yeah. So you know, yeah, um, it's hard to you know to know what's really going on. Are they just cutting back on it for? For a little while, while the while the pandemic continues, or are they gonna are they gonna kind of scale it down completely? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, and hopefully, hopefully, it's uh, it's it's the latter, and aren't uh, whichever one, the former, the one that doesn't affect the fighters as much. So, um, right, let's answer one or two questions here before we go. Uh, Vinny Cole, has the UFC lost star power? Habib gone, Jones, who knows what's happened with him? McGregor not booked yet, but maybe on the way back. Uh, oh, well, he didn't actually, someone says that above it. Brock Lesnar, Jones, Silva, and he's prime a few years back. GSP were all the champs. 
there's definitely no denying that is there they don't have the star power right now as they had especially well, I think with Habib gone depend, what do you mean by star power like uh, GSP's fights were like probably doing like what 600 700 thousand unless it was a, yeah. a big one with another guy you know if, if the other guy was a, mm-hmm. a hyped guy maybe would touch a million but you know I think people kind of remembered the past kind of wrong yeah, but <laughs> the like, numbers that are the, the hell- been doing done now to cross over the, <laughs> yeah. the 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 awareness of the mainstream fans is is higher than ever i suppose yeah but uh, when yeah uh, if you look at all those guys that were named out there i suppose they were kind of uh not all at the same time like you had the huge anderson silva chill salmon fights and you had the Brock lesnar fights and then obviously mcgregor rousey and they were kind of spread out over time and but even like chill and, but- and anderson you know that was that was huge at the time but yeah, that was kind of what was it probably like a million yeah but the, the problem is as well with the numbers these days they're absolutely bullshit as well like that Adesanya yeah, we, fight we, we, out kinda, most of the guys we're talking about being stars now we have numbers from when we have the numbers from the kind of final couple of years of the normal pay-per-view model with like direct TV and, and all that yeah but we have we have legitimate numbers like you know um, well we have like guesstimates really we, we can't take them as, as gospel or anything like that but uh, I do think, you know, uh, people kind of remember the stars of, like, maybe Tito Ortiz, Chuck Liddell, as mm-hmm. bigger stars than they were. Like, you know, they were they were definitely more unknown to the mainstream fan than than these guys are now. Yeah, indeed. Uh, one or two more before we go on. This one is an, an interesting question, which I probably won't have the best answer for, but we're going to mention anyway from Matt Peck. He goes, not to be the downer all this, but is this another you can't separate art from the artist situation with uh, Ramzan Kalirov stuff? I just can't get past it, obviously, with uh, reference to Habib. And, like, it's one of those things that you uh, someone put out, um, I think it was Alex Skadifi, I can never pronounce her name properly, but um, some of Kareem Zidane stuff yesterday and, like, five or six different articles and from other people as well talking about like Kadyrov and Habib and his connections to the, to him and you know it happens a lot with MMA with lots of different stuff not just things like this but you know we've seen with Mike Perry and we saw with other people down through the years as well that MMA has a, a side to it which other sports really don't have you know you know like was it Mo Salah that met with Kadyrov like last year and immediately came out and was it Kadyrov or something I think or someone like that anyway, and he immediately came out and goes I didn't know who this guy was I fucking apologise I'm you know and it was one of those things where you distance yourself from it whereas in MMA they don't really distance themselves from it so for as a fan like it's your prerogative to you know if you're a like a political person or if you're a person who looks into this or a person who like doesn't know about it or a person who is really badly affected by it i suppose that's your prerogative like i would be one of these people who won't don't ignore it but i'm not as just simply not kind of as well read or as as up to date with it as other people are you know and i think that's why we have great people like kareem zidane uh in mma and if you should definitely read his stuff but can you separate the fighter and the the the, the fighter and the, the person that's a question i think you have to ask yourself you know um and I think it's a very interesting one with lots of different people. And it's a question you know, I'd maybe love to have Kareem Zidane on sometime and ask him about that. And ask him about as well whether, you know, the fighter can separate themselves from these sort of people. Like, what would happen to Habib if he said, no, I'm not standing for a picture with Kadyrov? That's another question I think is very interesting too. And maybe he does want to do it. But, you know, what if not just Habib or whoever else doesn't want to do it and they're kind of forced to do it? I think that's a thing as well. But I think a lot of them aren't. And uh, it's a, you know, MMA is has and you know combat sports down through the years we've seen it with boxing as well especially has 
have had huge connections with politicians and, and uh, oligarchs and all this stuff for way for years and years and years and it's uh it's one that's probably above my maybe not pay grade but above my fucking intellectual grade anyway but uh however um yeah so one or two uh, again jujitsu it doesn't work from mma financial okay it, it does work it does work i suppose uh and outside the rear naked choke last one here uh uh from nathan shine and the armbar what submission has won the most fights what do you think graham apart from the rear naked choke and the armbar uh mm. guillotine guillotine yeah has to be a guillotine has to be a guillotine so all right that's it from us thank you very much for listening i'll go over again my bookie uh check out uh our stuff there use the promo code severe mma Uriah Hall, Graham Fancy, or uh, I fancy Uriah Hall for next week. Graham Fancy's Anderson Silva. Who do you fancy? Let us know in the comment section. Follow Graham at Severe May, me at Sean Sheehan, B A at Severe May. Pod, send in your questions all week. Questions at Severe And all that's left to do is the inspirational quote of the week. It's okay to forgive and understand, but do not be a fool. We'll see you next Tuesday or Sunday or Monday. <laughs>